might need this. <laughs> I guess I won't do that again. Now you will remember this Mother's Day for the rest of your life. <laughs> okay. I would ask that you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 128. Psalm 128. Give my brain a moment to reset. <laughs> it's good. Good to give thanks to God for His infinite wisdom in all that He has made. And today, we thank him for taking a rib from Adam's side and fashioning a woman named Eve, who is the mother of all living. We give thanks for women in general and moms in a particular way today. Uh, before we look at our text, though, I wanted to share with you a Mother's Day card that I had read late uh, recently. It simply starts off very generically. It says, Happy Mother's Day, Mom. But in parentheses it says, And while I have you, quick apologies for ages 13 through 21. <laughs> yes, these formative years can be challenging indeed, but clinging to the blessing of God, may you live to see the fruit of faith in your children and in your children's children. The path is not easy, but difficult and narrow as you seek the Lord in prayer on your children's behalf and strive to teach them the principles of the Christian faith while living by faith in Jesus Christ each and every day. And because a mom loves much, she is prone to worry, to perhaps even fear the, for the future of her children. But Scripture is replete with exhortations to not fear the future, but fear God who holds the future in his hands. Honor and revere the one who is Lord over all. Let's look to his word now. Psalm 128. Hear God's word. Blessed are all who fear the Lord and walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a faithful, a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, please instruct our hearts through your word. We are remembering, Lord, that your word is life and it feeds our souls. We know that this world feeds our body, but it is your living word that feeds our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Strengthen us by it as you speak through me, as you, you use your word to encourage and strengthen all who are here by your spirit's power. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in a society today where we have a can-do mentality. 
We are rugged Americans. And as rugged Americans, there's not one circumstance that we cannot overcome. We think that we can take care of anything, but this is not true when we really think about it. God has made us as co-heirs, as vicegerents, both men and women, to rule in His place, not instead of Him, but on behalf of Him in this world. So it's a, co- it's a cooperation between us and God in overseeing the affairs and matters of this world. Case in point is the life of a farmer, if you will, as one example. A farmer has many things that he can control, circumstances that he does have authority over, like uh, preparing the ground, uh, planting the seed, and also uh, uh, cultivating the ground and so forth, harvesting the crop. Uh, He has things that he can do, but he can't control the weather. He can't control how the seeds grow. I know genetics help a lot. But there are other factors that can come into play that can hinder the seeds, like, again, the weather washing the seeds right out of the ground. So there are certain things that you can control and other things that you cannot that are under God's control. An athlete can strive to control their health by strengthening their heart and body, but an athlete cannot control that moment when his heart gives out. A mom can try to love her child into the kingdom of God, but only Christ Jesus can open the door to that kingdom. There are certain things that you can do and certain things that you cannot do. So whether we are talking about uh, our vocation, our health, or our spiritual destiny, God's children understand that true blessings in all these areas of existence come from God through Jesus Christ. As James 1 verse 17 states, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. That is why, as as you even heard me pray, we are to, to pray for those who would even persecute us, who would despise us and see us as their enemies. We need to pray for them because they do not see God as we see God. And the only reason we see God in this way is because He's opened our eyes. He's given us that understanding, that perspective, that we see Him as a loving Heavenly Father and not as a distant judge who's coming someday to simply put us under His feet. That is what we need to pray for. Uh, We see a lot of this discord in the world today. And sometimes even in our families. Discord can rise up in families due to the pride of youth. Truly, it is not hard to be proud when you're young because you have so many things going for you. You have the strength of your youth. For old men, how often does Scripture say, remember the strength of your youth? It's because you're older and weaker and you remember back when you were young and you could do anything. There was nothing that hindered you. So you're strong. You have strength. Uh, You are beautiful as a young woman and handsome as a young man, not just in your own eyes, but in the eyes of those around you. You are looking at moving forward with your life and you have your whole future before you. 
Moreover, you know enough intellectually to contend with your parents. You try hard when you're ages 3 to 10, 3 to 12, but you start getting better in that age 13 through 21 category of learning how to contend with your parents because you have enough knowledge through school and other sources to do so. But even though you have that knowledge, the question that I would put forth to you is, do you have wisdom? Do you have wisdom? So let me ask you the question. Do you think the moral law, the Ten Commandments, is for your benefit or for the benefit of others, even Satan? Well, you would scoff and say, well, obviously it's not for Satan's benefit because he breaks it all the time. Well, there's some truth to that, but he does use the law in a certain way. So it would be to your benefit. How would Satan use it, you say? Wait a back up a second. Well, he uses it in a prosecutorial way. He not only wants you to understand, he wants you to see that you are more like him in your sinfulness than you are like God in his holiness. And in one sense, you know, the best lies have truth in them. There is some truth to that. So he wants you to see that. And, and every time you fail God, every time you break that command, he wants to point that out to you and show you, you see, you have more in common with me than you have with God. And yet he knows he can do this because he breaks the law all the time. You know, we have people in positions of authority and power in our nation right now, in some churches right now, who do the same thing. We call them hypocrites. They tell you not to do something that they are doing. They break the law and then they, they, they accuse you of doing it. Even though they think that they are above the law in what they're doing. But Satan wants you to think that you're more like him. And yet for the Christian we have an advocate. One who is the exact image of God. Who is God himself as God's son. Jesus Christ, who is in heaven on our behalf. And so even though we are sinners, even though we struggle with sin, even though in our hearts there is that rebellious tendency towards God, we have an advocate who, has ple- who pleads for us, who has died for us, and through his blood has made us right in the sight of his, his heavenly Father, even our heavenly Father, through his blood. One of the verses that I love, and we, we, we're not going to sing it today, but uh, is the song Before the Throne of God. Before the throne of God, I have a strong and perfect plea. Why? Why should God consider your plea? Because I have a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. We know this, this high priest is Jesus Christ. My name is graven on his heart. On his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. The Satan's tongue, no matter how much he accuses you of being more like him than you are like God, he cannot bid you depart from heaven because Jesus is there pleading on your behalf. And Jesus has won the victory on your behalf. So when Jesus pleads with the Father on your behalf, God accepts that plea. That is the strong and courageous plea that we're talking about. 
Not simply what you offer to God, but what is offered on your behalf through Jesus Christ and received by God in heaven. You need to be aware of the verbal sleight of hand that Satan uses when he points to much ado about one thing to keep you from seeing the more important thing. Satan does this because he really doesn't want you to see God's wisdom behind the moral law. He wants you to trivialize it. Since you can never keep it perfectly, why bother at all? Why pay attention to it? Besides, it's robbing you of your joy and having fun with your friends. Don't you want to go out and have fun and party and play? Satan doesn't want you to see what's really behind the moral law, which is love. He doesn't want you to see life established by love. Life, lives that are blessed by the loving kindness of God. He doesn't want you to see that. When you think of the summary of the first table of the law, what do you hear? What words would you profess? Love the Lord your God? Say it with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law. And the prophets. So behind the law is what? Love. God's love. That Old Testament devotion was reduced to a word in in those scriptures. In the Old Testament, the word for this devotion to God is called fear. Fear. This fear, in one sense, is awe. All of how awesome and mighty and all-powerful God is, but also how awesome and amazing His love is. Who are we fleshlings in, in comparison to God, who is an eternal, almighty one? In one sense, we are utterly insignificant in comparison, but yet in another, He made us for Himself that we may relate to Him and know Him as His people. Fear is that matter of treating God with the highest honor and respect, to love Him with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This devotion given to the Creator is described in all the wisdom books. The wisdom books of the Old Testament are Psalms, Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes. Here are some examples you might want to look up. Uh, You find it in Psalm 111, verse 10, Job 28, verse 28, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, and Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Those are just some samples. And what do they all say? They say what Psalm 128, verse 1 says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord and walk in His ways. That fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom And blessed are those then who fear the Lord and walk in His ways. This has the same sense as Jesus saying in John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, all who believe on Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life, everlasting blessing from God. Think of it this way. Imagine you're critically ill. I'm picking on the farmer illustration today, but 
this, this works here, you can think of any vocation. Imagine you're a farmer and you're critically ill. You've got debt to the bank. And the bank says, well, you need to make sure that you keep up on your payments. And you have a crop in the field. And you're in, you're in a kind of situation where if you don't make a harvest, you're going to lose everything. Okay? You don't have the strength to get out of bed. You fight every day trying to get out of bed, trying to get out of your condition, and you just can't do it. Along comes an individual knocks on your door. Someone you don't even know. He's a stranger to you. He says, can I help? You say, well, what do you mean can you help? If, if you will trust me with everything, with your life and everything that you have, I'll help you. Will you trust me? And you say, okay, I trust you. So this friend proceeds to start paying off your medical bills. He starts paying off your debt to the bank. He buys seed, corn and beans, and wheat, and he starts planting them with his own machinery by his own hand. He tends to the ground and, and cultivates it, makes sure that the weeds are out of it, and he makes sure that there's a... And, and at the end of it, after he's done all this work, there's this bumper crop that takes place. And after he's, he's made payments for all the bills that you owe, covering all of them, he then finally sells the crop and receives the reward for what he, has, what he has done. And then he gives you the money. How will you invest that money that this person has given you after he's paid for everything that you owe? You think, well, that's not reality, Pastor, because physically I still, I've been praying to the Lord and I still have debt that I owe or... I still have these costs and those costs. I have taxes and so forth. Think about this spiritually. This is what it means to be forgiven. For your debt to be forgiven to God. That Jesus has paid everything. And then after He's paid everything, He pours out more and gives to you and asks you, how are you going to invest what I've given you? How are you going to invest the life that I've given you now? In this world. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord. Who reveres the Lord. Who walks in his ways. There's another law. And I want you to note. That when you look at this first law. Of blessing. What flows out of that is our love towards our fellow man. How does that begin? You think about the second table of the law. How does it begin? Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. So that the days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor is that same word, that same type of respect that you give to God. Honor God above all. But when it comes to our fellowship with others, you begin with honoring your parents. Why? Because they have provided for you. They have brought you into this world. They have protected you. They have taken care of you. And they love you more than anyone else. Think on that. Some of you might ask, well then, if, if God is blessing His people, why does it seem like the wicked get away with so much? 
Why do they prosper? Well, just because the wicked prosper doesn't mean that they are receiving God's blessing. There was one theologian who used to say that uh, one of the ways that God curses the wicked is he gives them more wealth. When they hunger for more wealth, he gives them more. Well, why would he do that? So they would not call upon him and seek salvation. For the wicked, whatever you gain in this world will perish with you. For the righteous, whatever you have established in God's hands, whatever is secured by him, will exist forever and follow you into glory. Theologian C.H. Spurgeon once said, uh, For us, it is idle talk to it is idle to talk of fearing the Lord if we act like those who have no care whether, God, whether there be a God or not. God's ways will, will be our ways if we have a sincere reverence for Him. If the heart is committed unto God, the feet will follow hard after Him. So what, are, what then are the blessings bestowed on those who walk in the ways of the Lord, who heed the moral law? Verse 2, we see the vocational blessing. The land produces a harvest which comes as the fruit of your labor, your life. No one takes it from you. Verse 3, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. That does not refer only to having children, although it does allude to that. Uh, The vine was a reference to a woman's beauty and charm, but this image goes even beyond that. As Solomon says in Proverbs 31, verse 30, uh, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who does what? Fears the Lord. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. When you look at Proverbs 31, true blessing shines forth through a wise woman who is fruitful in kindness, helpfulness, and affection. Charles Haddon Spurgeon notes that if they bear no children, they are by no means barren if they yield the fruit of consolation and comfort. And what of children? What blessing do we have there? Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Pastor James Boyce uh, makes this statement on this passage. He says the interesting thing about these two images, vines and olive plants, is that they are biblical symbols of an abundant life. They are not food staples like wheat or corn. They symbolize rich blessing. Hence, verses 5 and 6 follow. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. Uh, and may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Now I've left one thing out of this message until now, and that's the context. Because we look at God's blessing and we tend to think in a westernized world that this, this is the way it is. Well, let's look at the context here from which this psalm is written. Psalm uh, 128 was written... Uh, during the time of captivity. Actually, it was a situation where the Babylonian captivity had taken place. Israel was initially under the authority of the Babylonians, and the Babylonians had made, made the Israelites slaves, but the Persians came in and overtook the Babylonians, and so the slaves of the Babylonians became the slaves of the Persians. And they had been that way for 70 years in captivity. It's from this captivity that this psalm is written as they are heading back because of the decree of King Cyrus of Persia who, get, who granted them permission to go back to Israel. It says they are going back to Israel that this psalm 
is written. This gives a little more perspective on a blessing being that you will eat the fruit of your own labor instead of your enemy eating it and receiving it. And prosperity instead of having all this stripped away from you by your enemy. You will have sons around the table instead of dying in the battlefield or being taken into slavery by your enemy. Your city in which you you live knows peace instead of war. Even the whole nation knows peace instead of war. I don't think we understand how richly blessed we've been in this nation called America and why so many people desperately want to get here. Even at all costs. As I say this, I know the one thing that is still bound to make you worry as a mom. And that is when you see an uncertain future for your children. I'm not talking physically now. I'm not talking physical war. I'm talking spiritual warfare. One need only read the first few chapters of the book of Job to see how Satan wars against you, trying to take away from you everything that God has blessed you with. And your possessions mean very little compared to your children. This reminded me of the love of a wise mom who was physically blind in South Dakota. I visited her one day at home when she was feeling pretty low. She was somewhat immobile. She sat in a chair most of the day. She was blind, so she couldn't see. She had to depend upon her hearing. And uh, she had been praying for a couple of her children who were not believers, whom daily she would bring before the Lord, asking the Lord to grant them salvation, to grant them the gift of faith to believe. And there was no evidence of the fruit of that faith. And she knew she was getting older, and that her days on this earth were numbered, and she feared their future. She feared that they would not believe and that they would die in their sin, separated from God forever, being cast into hell. And so she was really low, and, and she was talk, I was talking with her, and I said, well, you know, just because you can't see God working doesn't mean that God isn't working. She said, I know that. But it seems like he's not hearing my prayers. It, I, I persist in praying and, and it just seems like he's not listening to me. There's, there's nothing going on. I said, just remember, just because we can't see it doesn't mean that there isn't anything going on. And I asked her, I said, are, are you in God's word? Are you listening to God's word? And at that time, she had these big vinyl records, you know, that she played on a record player that had the Bible read. And so she would listen to that on a daily basis. And she said, I'm, I'm still listening to God's word and uh, hearing it. And so she said, I'm, I'm doing that. And, and I said, are you still praying? She said, well, I'm, I'm trying, but it's becoming harder and harder. As my mind gets weaker and my body gets weaker, I just find it more and more tiresome. But yeah, I'm still praying, somewhat. I said, I want you to think about this illustration that the Apostle Paul uses. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God makes it grow. We plant the seed. 
we water the seed. And I asked her, how does it grow? How does God make it grow? Can you see that? She said, well, no. And yet it does, doesn't it? And when it grows, it eventually produces fruit, doesn't it? Yes, she answered. How does it do that? She said, well, I I don't totally know. And yet it does. And God is the one who does that, right? She said, yes. So I asked her, if God is the one making it grow, will you not keep praying and bringing your children before the Lord? She said, I will. And I look forward to the day when I will see my children and my children's children. I knew what she meant. And we prayed together for their salvation. Before she died, just shortly before she died, her children came to know the Lord. And she was at peace. Pray for the peace of Israel. Pray for those who are drifting, those who are moving away from God. Because he's the only one who can bring them peace. They think they're finding their reward in this life. They think that their joy will be found in this world. And this world really offers nothing compared to what God gives through his son Jesus Christ. In him alone do we have peace and life. May you live to see. May you live to see your children's children fear the Lord and walk in His ways as you put your trust daily in Jesus Christ. Amen.